in the fourth, in this, the fourth installment of the the message on understanding the devil's schemes, and in in this fourth installment, in understanding, in defeating, overcoming the enemy. Um, I want to get further into uh, how you actually move forward to overcome, to overcome, take back the ground that was lost to you through these various schemes of the enemy, rolled out whether by mega uh, process through through systemic order of the kingdom of darkness, all the way down to the personal order uh, of how it affects you, uh, going going from uh, the, the the rolling out of these schemes by way of curses, coming through families, affecting people while they're still in the womb, all the way up through uh, mature adult believers um, who have reached certain thresholds beyond which they cannot seem to ascend, a feeling of entrapment in a lower level than they know is available to them. And having tried everything that they could, you know, they have confessed every sin they could think of, you know, they they have, um, they live lives that are orderly, they, they're faithful in all the ways that, that God requires of them, and so on. And yet this cloud, this fog, this low ceiling seems to be right down over their heads and denying them the progress beyond these places. These, at this juncture, we, we actually are talking about people who will never turn back. They'll finish their races, but more limping toward the finish line than running to the finish line. Again, I have no magic bullet in the way of processes, schemes, things you, if you do this, that will happen. Because, by and large, as you grow in the things of God, as you grow up in Christ, what happens is you leave behind elementary things, elementary doctrines, and you take on a message of wisdom among the mature. And included in this wisdom is how to overcome the enemy's schemes. So admittedly, some of the things I'm going to say here today will actually locate you in the process of where you are in your walk with God. You may be an adult in your physical structure, your physical life, but an infant in your understanding of the things of God. And so the benefit to you may be limited, but benefit it will nevertheless, because these are things that you need to know. You need to know. We've talked about how your enemy connects between uh, the experiences of your childhood taken through the five senses um, to 
create emotions, that create uh, uh, thoughts, that create action. And even without being mature, you can understand those things. But how you take back the ground is also a sign of your maturity. Paul puts it this way. Finally, this is from Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. <clears throat> For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. What that means is you're not struggling against humans. And then he goes on to describe who we struggle against uh, and speaks of the configuration of power in the darkness of the kingdom of this of, of the evil one and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The first thing to keep in mind is that you are operating in the power of God. This is not an implication that you have a ministry of power. This is an implication that because you are a son of God, you have an allotment of power. The term in, uh, in the Greek is the word kleremos, K-L-E-R-O-M-O-S, K-L-E-R-O-M-O-S, kleremos. And it's where we get the term clergy from. Now, clergy or clerermos is a reference to the term inheritance. And an inheritance means an allotment or a portion. So the word clergy is a reference to not a particular group of people who preach in churches. It's actually a reference to an allotment of power that you have because you are a son of God. So then the question is, who's the clergy? The term clergy means possessing an inheritance, an allotment, a portion, your portion of an inheritance. And that inheritance is an inheritance of power. Jesus claimed when he gave us the charge to preach the kingdom, preach the message of the kingdom, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to us. The word authority comes in companionship with the word power. Authority and power come together, but yet they're referenced by different words. The word for power is the word from which we get the English word dynamite. It's the word dunamis, D-U-N-A-M-I-S, dunamis, dynamite, power, explosive power. Power to destroy the works of the devil. 
Now, there's another word which also means power, but it leans toward or goes toward the legitimacy of the exercise of power. And that word is exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, exousia. Exousia is where we get the word executive from. It means the legitimate right to exercise your portion, your clerical portion, your portion because you are an inheritor of the dunamis of God. So you are legitimate. You're actually legit. You're the clergy. You possess. Clergy means nothing more than. Now, in today's vernacular, it's been blown up to mean something that it never was meant to mean. A separation between the people and those who act for God. No, we are all the sons of God. And because we are sons, Galatians tells us, Galatians tells us, because we are sons, we are heirs. And the thing to which we are heirs is an allotment, pleremos, clergy, an allotment of power that God has allotted to us as an inheritance, an allotment of dunamis. And regarding that allotment of dunamis or power, we are the exousia. We are the executive authority to exercise it. So the first thing you realize when you come to dealing with the enemy is you're not a beggar in his court. You're not suing for peace, begging for relief. You come with enough executive power by way of legitimate inheritance to be the feet of Jesus that step upon the head of your enemy, in your domain. That's the real thing. We cannot take on the enemy the moment you think that his schemes operating in your domain are greater than you have power to push back and resist. Now, you're clearly not one Most believers are not configured with that allotment of power to undo the works of the devil in every sphere in which he has exercised false authority. No, that's not true. That's why we shouldn't send kids to evangelize in the domain of powerful demonic princes. They don't have, they do not have a portion, an allotted portion, a cleremos. They do not possess that allotment of power to overthrow that prince. It's foolish to send teenagers to tangle with well-entrenched demonic princes. You know who the scriptures remind us were sent? sent ones, apostolos, because they have 
a translocal authority, endowment of power to address the demonic accurately and effectively within the domains to which they have been sent. They have that kind of executive power. And to presume this sort of democratic access to power really is terrifying ignorance of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is not, does not confer on us the same kind of equal rights as when we are the sovereign of a particular state. So all of us within the borders of and within the configuration of citizenship of the United States, each of us is equally the sovereign. Therefore, we may claim an equal level of sovereignty and may protest against the highest uh, authorities within the configurations of our constitution, but that is not the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, we're not the sovereign, Christ is. And in the kingdom of God, we are not the possessors of plenary authority, He is. He allots this power, He allots this exousia, this executive action, as He determines. And He determines it after having trained people through many trials, watching many of them wash out in the process. Those who are left standing, he endows with higher and higher orders of power and deploys them to domains that have been wrapped up in darkness for generations. If you, untrained, unequipped, unempowered, take on a democratic notion that you can go into the domains of Satan where he has these kinds of entrenchments and you, because you are a citizen of the kingdom, which is an understanding (coughs) that you understand as being the same as the democratic standing of uh, of a citizen of the United States versus powers within the United States. You are foolish, you're going to be driven back, and you'll be lucky to be alive. God is a king. Jesus Christ is the sovereign king. This is his kingdom. And you do not get to decide the measures of your authority. You have no authority vis-a-vis the king. The only authority you have is that which is legitimately configured in your allotment, your chloroma, chloroma. And the executive, the exousia of that is limited to what you have. But that said, I will begin by saying this. You do possess all the necessary authority to expel the enemy from the domain over which God has placed you. So, 
choreograph your responses to reflect the level of your assignment. You might need to lower your expectations of what you can do before you go off saving the world. Pay attention to the saving of your domain, whether that domain is your internal domain or the domain, with meaning your soul, your own thoughts. Rule your own soul before you set out to rule the enemy in his, in the areas that he has subjugated by falsehoods and deceptions. You may eventually be deployed to those things, but not before you learn to rule your own soul. And then if you have a domain that may include a family or a business or a domain that may include certain uh, other relationships, then having ruled internally, you may then begin to rule externally. But for today's purposes, evicting him in your domain, meaning kicking him out of the place where he controls the emotions of your soul. Number one, you have an allotment of power and authority. You have the legitimate right to kick the enemy out of the places within your soul over which he has exercised dominion and control. First thing to note, God would not call you to be a son only to be taken captive again by the oncoming of the enemy. That's why, for example, when Israel left Egypt, the first thing God did was to destroy the Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Why? Because even if they went up into the Promised Land, into Canaan, but the Egyptians remained a credible military force on their southern flank to come up any day that they woke up to try to take them back into captivity. They could not dwell peacefully within the domains of their inheritance. So, to remove that existential threat from them, God destroyed the Egyptians where they could see him, where they could see the work of destroying the Egyptians before their faces. When that was done, they were free to go up and possess the land. God would not give you an inheritance. God would not call you into the kingdom if he had not in fact given you a sufficient allotment of power and exousia, of dunamis and exousia, the reserve of power and the right, the authority to exercise that power over your domain in which your enemy has made an incursion. That's the first thing to know. In the exercise of this power, you need discernment. Now the reason, discernment is to see, to accurately see 
how the enemy has embedded himself in the emotions of your soul. One of the reserves of power that you have been given is a spirit called the spirit of the discerning of spirits, the power to discern spirits. That is from the book of First uh, Corinthians, the 12th chapter, speaking of gifts of the Spirit. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you've been given all that the Holy Spirit is to dwell within you. The exercise of the measure of who the Holy Spirit is within you is limited by the sphere of the authority God gives you, the kleramos of your, of, of your authority, that portion of your clergy, your clerical assignment. In order to see how the enemy has come in, in, in this war, after you first know you have that authority, and you, I mean, you do have the power and you do have the executive authority, next thing to know is you, you do have the enablement by the Holy Spirit. That enablement is called discerning of spirits. When you're in the realm of the discerning of spirits, it is not a realm where reason prevails. It's not an issue of cause and effect, logical cause and logical effect. Although there's an absolute connection between the things you're suffering and not able to overcome and the way your enemy invaded you. Your enemy cannot invade you, cannot invade the emotions of your soul unless given permission. The way he is given permission is either, as we've said, through family curses, people, mother, father, relatives who failed you, they were set in place to watch over you as a child, they did not. And the enemy took advantage of those lapses in coverage, breaches in protection, and got a hold of the emotions of your soul. It may be like that, or it may be later in life through traumatic occurrences and the like. However he's gained admission into the emotions of your soul, discernment, the exercise of the gift of the discerning of spirits, will help you locate how that occurred. In order to do that, your soul has to be quieted. Because as long as your soul is blowing and going, is in full, uh, full control, discernment does not work because it's discernment of the Spirit. The, the, the Holy Spirit has a gift that He gives to your spirit. That gift is called the discerning of spirits. So your spirit has to be operational. And in order for your spirit to be operational, your soul has to be quiet, which is to say your soul has to be brought under the rule of your spirit. How does that occur? You typically need to fast. Typically need to fast. In this concept, or in this, in this profiling of fasting, it is not about doing a religious act. 
It is to intentionally subjugate the soul from asserting its primary lusts and desires and becoming the main impulse, the main source of information feeding into your decision-making process. The soul has a mind and the spirit has a mind. If the mind of the soul is not quieted, you cannot hear the mind of the spirit. And it's in the mind of the spirit that the Holy Spirit makes the deposits that result in discerning of spirits. This is, this is why I say this is not a logical process. It's a spiritual one. It doesn't mean because it's not a logical process, it's an illogical process. No, it's a distinction between natural and spiritual. You're engaged in a higher order of activity than just natural activity. So you engage in a fast. Typically the fast doesn't really need to be more than a 24-hour fast. And while you're fasting, you need to naturally give over to prayer. doesn't mean you walk around for a 24-hour period just praying. It means because your soul is not clamoring for your body to be fed, for your senses to be satiated, for your, the demands of your physical existence to be preeminent over all of your thoughts, because that's not happening, you can actually hear the Holy Spirit. And he'll bring to your mind, to the mind of your spirit, thoughts about how the enemy gained access. And make a note of those thoughts. After the fasting is over, and typically you'll know when it should be over, because you're not getting anything else. In the result of fasting, typically, God will bring back to your attention not only the doors of entrance to which the enemy came, but how he came and how he works. That will usually mean that there are people you need to forgive because they allowed for these breaches through which the enemy was able to come in and gain entrance to these emotions. So you need to forgive these people. When you do that, when you forgive them, what you're doing is denying the enemy the right to have that legal access in a continuing basis. Once you've done that, you need to recognize that you have given in to the belief in these things, so you believed a lie. By believing a lie, you ratified the falsehood. So you need to repent of the lie, because the lie frames what God did and God is doing falsely. And you sin, so you sinned against God, you need to repent of that, and you, in the process, you sinned against yourself because you believed something about yourself that was not true and you made yourself subject to it. Repenting of it from God and to yourself, at that point you've, you've broken the enemy's authority 
take him out then by name from your domain and you will enjoy the freedom and the peace that is yours from the possession, from the places where emotions were possessed by the enemy. I do have a more complete teaching on this which will be available to you under the heading blockage removal and it's a summary of and a much expanded version of what I just said. Access it, listen to it, and may it be a blessing to you. God bless you. We'll talk to you again soon. I'm Sam Solon. Bye-bye.